Hey everyone, it's Tuesday, March 20th. My name is Adnan Raja. Welcome to Global Beat, the radio show of the students of the Institute on Globalization and the Human Condition at McMaster University. Our topic today is the Greek financial crisis. Two weeks ago, the EU approved the largest bailout for a sovereign nation, the second for the country since the crisis began in 2009, which will inevitably lead to more austerity measures. On the Around the Globe segment, we'll have Raj Palaja interviewing Joanna Sony, a resident of Athens. On the Looking Local segment, we have Sean Pittman interviewing an actor in the local Hamilton community, having immigrated from Greece, giving us an insight into the lived experience of the crisis in Greece. Around the Globe. Welcome, Joanna. Thank you for being on our show. Thank you as well. So can you tell us a bit about yourself? I'm 29 years old and I come from Athens, Greece. My first degree was in political science and public administration from the University of Athens. And I recently graduated from the University of Amsterdam. I did my master's in urban studies. And after finishing my degree, I returned to Athens because I thought that in times like these, it would be really necessary for young people to come back to Greece instead of leaving the country and trying to do the best that we possibly could to help the country have a, um, a new start. <laughs> well, the reality I, I found uh, coming back was completely different than what I had in mind, but we're still not giving up on this. So when and how did you uh, start to notice uh, the crisis? Basically, I was in Amsterdam when the first signs of the crisis uh, started uh, showing up here. I could only follow those things through online media and the news that I was getting from family and friends. But it all started around 2008 and 2009 when one political party during uh, the pre-election times was talking about um, freezing uh, salaries and public expenses, and the other uh, political party said that there is still money to spend and um, started promising raises and uh, things like that, which uh, showed that there was a great political discrepancy and something going on behind um, what was readily uh, observable to, to the people. So anyway... Already the country was in, in descending into recession and slowly the people started feeling the first effect of this and uh, they started trying to save, cutting down their expenses and thinking uh, about the entire situation more and more. There were it, it started monopolizing the conversations and families between friends slowly as, as you were uh, walking around the street or getting on, on buses and, and subways. It was the only topic of conversation that you could hear people people talking about. But the, the first um, thing that everybody started doing was trying to save as much as they possibly could and cut down on all of their expenses. So with the uh, more recent effects of the crisis and the bailouts, um, there have been um, a lot of austerity measures. What, what have been the effects of those austerity measures on the ground that you've seen? Well, there are, of course, many negative, but also a few positive effects of those austerity measures. The readily observable ones are the thousands of businesses that are closing every every week 
And every day that you walk down a street, there is a new shop that has closed down. There is a staggering increase uh, in the numbers of homeless people, and there is a soaring unemployment. There is, in a country of about 10 million people, at least 1 to 1.5 million people are unemployed, or at least officially registered as unemployed. Already, in between my, you know, my immediate circle of, of friends, there are people that we would never, ever imagine that they would find themselves without a job. And today. Indeed, it is like that. There is an increase in soup kitchens that are um, taking place in almost every municipality of, uh, of the city of Athens. There are soup kitchens in the central squares every week. Another effect of the austerity measures on the ground is also the fact that the schools at the beginning of the school year couldn't start as they normally would. They couldn't deliver the books to, to the students, so they had to start the school year with photocopies. But also there are uh, positive effects in society because what we can start observing right now are some healthy societal defenses that are expressed under such circumstances of, um, of austerity and, and general crisis, such as there are, there are many grassroots organizations that start springing up. There is a lot of volunteer work, increase in donations, especially in kind like clothes and food from ordinary people, despite the fact that they're also hit by, by austerity. They just give whatever they can to their fellow people. There, are, there is more organization of the people at the level of, of neighborhoods and a lot of activities such as interventions in um, in public services that threaten, like electricity services, that threaten to cut electricity to households that do not pay the extra taxes that are inserted into the basic electricity bills. And if you don't pay those austerity measure taxes, they threaten to cut your electricity at home. So there are people that take over those, those services, sometimes ordinary citizens, other times there are people that work in those uh, public services. And also there are certain uh, movements that aim to, let's say, bypass the intermediaries between agricultural producers and uh, the market. So there are many farmers that start delivering their products directly to people, sometimes just by announcing that, uh, let's say, tomorrow we're going to be in this central square offering uh, potatoes or meat or whatever they might be producing at uh, much better prices to people instead of going through the normal channels of uh, delivering them through supermarkets and, uh, and other intermediaries. So what, what I could say is that in certain ways, despite the fact that from the outside the projected image of Greece is that of general disintegration, it is the people themselves in their micro-societies that they try to mend those ravaging effects of the crisis on the social fabric. So of the messages that are being reported in the Greek media in regards to the future, are they delivering a message of hope? What I think is that the media right now is playing a really controversial role. My feeling is that they're basically trying to keep the people and the public opinion under their thumb. In Greece especially, there is a lot of interconnection of interests between politics and uh, those that own the media and the interests behind those uh, media organizations. So the picture that is generally projected is, uh, is a rather grim one. Every day people are kept in front of their TVs and their radios 
just waiting for, for the next horrible news to be announced. So generally, it's not an, an image of, of, of hope or any kind of, of prosperity that they're, they're trying to, to transmit. But there are some alternative um, sources of, of information. There are actually websites springing up that, like uh, goodnews.gr and certain shows on TV that they're trying to, uh, amidst this really dark picture that is being painted by ordinary media, to, to publish certain pieces of, of news and information uh, that are actually positive because this is what we're sorely lacking as a society, any sort of, of hope or, let's say, light in the end of the tunnel, that things are going to get slightly better or that, that there are actually things taking place around us that are positive but never reaches us people. For for the future of Greece, per se, I do not think that there is any kind of hope <laughs> uh, projected through the media. So you've been taking part in some of the uh, ongoing protests in Athens. How would you describe the general mood, and has it changed over the course of the crisis? Indeed, the general mood over the course of the crisis during the demonstration has been changing. And uh, right now, what you see during those demonstrations is is people like uh, you would never expect to see them in a demonstration in the street before. Now we have so many people joining, uh, which are also, their actual number is being purposefully hidden by ma- mainstream media. It's always between three to 700,000 people. Many people say that sometimes this number is up to 900,000. And uh, each time the general feeling is even more, let's say, violent. Each time there is more violence, each time there, there are more people in the streets, each time there is even more suppression. Unfortunately, greater police brutality being exercised on the people. On the other hand, you can every time you can see greater signs of fission between the people, and this comes hand in hand with greater shows of unification between themselves as well because there are also concentrated efforts from the media to downplay the impact of those demonstrations and split the public public opinion. But people continue to make efforts to reorient themselves, even if this is a painful personal and also group process in this socio-political landscape that we're going through. Greeks are actually, to my opinion, moving away from the lines of the major political parties, which had constituted let's say, the strongholds of political representation up until now. And they are seeking new groupings and new forms of representations, which often can be visible during those demonstrations and, and how people participate in them, choosing to be independent rather than joining the, um, the demonstration groups of the major political parties, as it's uh, quite common to uh, participate in demonstrations here in Greece up until recently. Also, another great resource on information and especially pictures regarding current demonstrations in Athens is the website uh, www.greekriot.com. You can find pictures which are renewed uh, after every demonstration showing what is truly taking place in the streets of Athens with regard to who participates, what are the demonstrators being subjected to. What are some examples of how people are resisting the austerity measures locally? My idea is that it's this kind of new 
social solidarity, the grassroots solidarity, which is uh, starting to, to get demonstrated more and more often uh, in, in everyday situations, like trying to, to give whatever you can to your fellow people or participating in soup kitchens or even sometimes just lending an ear to the person uh, that is sitting next to you on the bus and, and trying to, to share their worry, their their traces of hope, some piece of information that you might be having and uh, generally just trying to, to come closer with uh, with your, you know, fellow people. Can you tell us more about the project you are involved in dealing with public schools? Yeah, so currently one of those uh, activities that I described as grassroots organization from the part of the citizen uh, citizens in order to take over parts of the let's say either welfare state or general generally things that the state should have been taking care of like public property such as school schools in general is um, it's a project where where ordinary citizens contact schools in areas that are being hit harder by the the crisis and where state provisions have been withdrawn from to to a great extent and in the collaboration with the teachers, the students, and the parents. They seek uh, certain, let's say, sponsorship from uh, paint industries and, uh, and shops. They collect the materials, and with the help of some artists, uh, and this is where I help as well, they organize, let's say, the redecoration and the, the painting of the school, taking care of everything from the benches to the walls to how the, the trees are of the schools are being tended for. And uh, we collaborate with the students, creating together some beautiful images which are then being transferred on the wall uh, of the school, such as like, like a mural decoration. And um, we spend the weekend, everyone together at the school, painting and uh, showing the children how to create things together, how to sort of get outside this uh, really bad mood that often is their everyday uh, life and experience, both in school and outside, and make something beautiful with them, so that at least uh, where they spend most of their days, which is their, their school, which slowly gets dilapidated, becomes something more beautiful, a more positive environment, somewhere where they're happier to go and spend their time, because also... There is lack of public space and uh, say playgrounds in the in the city center. So many kids, when they they want to to go out and play, they have no other place to go uh, apart from let's say the, their schoolyard. So it plays a double role, both as a school environment but also leisure environment. And it's really important that at least the children, which are really unfairly hit by this crisis, they have a a nice place to be schooled and and also to to play. <laughs> What is their interpretation of the events that are going on right now? The the psychology of children during this time is something that is really troubling to me because many of them understand what is going on around them even better than what their parents or their teachers perceive. And sometimes they are ridden with feelings of guilt, like they feel like they're an extra burden to their families because they need things which their families cannot provide. They understand that and they try to 
let's say, deprive themselves of things that they should be entitled to, uh, even before their parents tell them that they, they cannot afford them. Like, they choose themselves that, okay, uh, I cannot take part in, in this uh, school trip, or I don't want to do this extra activity, which is going to cost my family extra money. The children do really understand what is uh, going on around them. And uh, it's really important for the adults around them to try and, and help them overcome this uh, the situation and also put things in the right, uh, how can I say it, in, in the right, uh, it's really important for, for adults, uh, to, like teachers and, uh, and their parents, try and help children understand that this is not their fault, what is happening around them. And um, also with activities such as this, uh, we are currently being engaged with in, in schools to give them an outlet for their creativity, for their need to be out there, do things, and participate in activities which are currently being deprived of them. Because for many families, it's a luxury right now to send their children to take some, some classes uh, in, you know, drawing classes or music classes or any kind of extracurricular activity. So keeping them busy and keeping them creative and uh, hopeful, it's uh, something really important. On the other hand, there are also families that quite often when, when both parents are unemployed, they cannot really afford to keep sending their children at school. This is a really, really sad uh, phenomenon. Unfortunately, it's increasing, and they they choose to keep their children at home, especially if they are of a younger age, than send them to school without, you know, some pocket money so they can, they can buy something to eat or because they cannot afford uh, the school materials that uh, the children might be needing. So there, unfortunately, there are currently children that are, are, are kept away from school from their parents because uh, it's impossible for them to provide their children with what they normally should. And it's a, it's a matter of, you know, pride a little bit, but also for pure and, and bare necessity since they cannot afford to do otherwise. Okay. Mm-hmm. Thank you, Joanna, for being on our show. Thank you very much as well. Looking local. Um, just to start, can you yeah. tell us uh, a bit about yourself? I just came to Canada in September. I was working as an actor back in Greece. I was doing, of course, various jobs because uh, if you're an actor, you have to do some other stuff. Uh, even before the crisis, uh, acting is a very tough profession, you know. I was doing some various jobs, and uh, gradually, uh, near the end, uh, nobody was paying me. I decided to come to Canada because I had the citizenship. My mother was raised here. That's pretty much the short story and how I came here. So I guess what kind of uh, changes did you witness? What, um, I guess what, what kind of things did you see in society that 
that indicated that uh, there was a crisis. I was working back in Greece, okay? I was doing various of jobs. The salaries became less and less. You will see that businesses were going down one after the other. And right, right about uh, near the end, before I leave, I mean, uh, you could see people uh, on the streets, uh, homeless people. I saw people in my neighborhood uh, looking for food in the garbage, something that I never saw like i was living in greece for 29 years i never saw that in my neighborhood my mother was telling me the other day at the phone that uh, old people are going to the bakeries and they ask for exp expired bread that happened in three years in three years gradually we reach that point where you see all these people on the street it's a very terrible situation and uh, i don't know how we will get out of that what motivated your decision to come to Canada? I had the citizenship. That's the most important factor. And the fact that I, I wanted uh, a better future for my life. I just couldn't do it back in Greece. I'm talking to my friends and nobody is finding any job. It's just a terrible situation. Now I'm working at a convenience store. I'm taking minimum wage. And uh, I'm just thankful that, you know, I have money to do just the basic stuff which uh, now in Greece is, is uh, you know uh, you don't have it anymore mm -hmm. even that how does how does the political culture of Canadians compare to Greeks look you have two opposites okay uh, you have in Greece you have people who let's say the truth for many years they didn't pay their taxes many people and they weren't responsible citizens okay and on the other hand, you have Canadians who are very politically correct, according to me, like they're paying their taxes, they are uh, very responsible citizens, and you see that in both cases, government is doing cuts. Mm -hmm. So something else is wrong. Some, uh, it has something to do with the markets? I don't know. Mm. Because uh, we are focusing, especially the media, on different things. We don't look at the, uh, the, the information. is a very bad thing right now. So the media does often uh, suggest that the, the Greek people are to blame for yeah, yeah, wages yeah. and large public sector. <laughs> yeah. uh, and how, how would you respond to these claims? And do you think the media leaves out any important information? This is a very good question because... With whoever I talk here about the situation in Greece, all of them, they respond with the same answer. Uh, they, they are telling me, yes, but Greeks are lazy. See, wait a moment. How, how come everybody is saying exactly the same thing? There's a study that it shows even before the crisis, Greeks were in, inside the European Union. They were taking uh, smallest salaries and they were working more hours than anybody inside the EU. So how come you can say how, how people know that Greeks are lazy? I don't know how that information has reached to them. I'm not going to lie. There were many people in Greece that took advantage of that corrupted system, corrupted political system. But most people were, you know, hardworking people. They were just trying to survive. And uh, people must know because... At some point, I think it will reach here. I mean, in Christmas, for example, I saw the movement uh, of Toronto. You remember? Uh, the people who occupied Toronto? Oh, yes, the occupied. And I saw the coverage in the media. They were, I don't know, they were described as, I don't know, 
hippies or uh, anarchists. Uh, they were focusing on the hazard and uh, that was uh, that these people caused to the center of Toronto. But no one was uh, staying to the fact that why all these people are there. I was in Greece uh, at the Occupy movement downtown in Athens, uh, and uh, I saw the same coverage in, by the Greek media. The Greek media were um, focusing on the damages, on uh, all this confusion uh, at the center of Athens, but nobody is saying that 300 people uh, in our parliament, they are voting bills that are unconstitutional, they're not democratic, and they are not chosen by the people. Nobody is mentioning that, you know? So what would you like to see happen in Greece? What needs to be changed or, or fixed, and... What kind of solution do you think is necessary? It's very hard to answer right now how things are. Uh, for sure, that thing that is going on for years now, I mean, IMF loans and uh, the European Central Bank loans don't help the situation. Like, there's a big unemployment that it keeps rising. Businesses are going down one by one. So you can't see any growth. Me personally... I believe that the euro shouldn't exist. It was uh, it was doomed from the beginning. And you don't need to be studying economics to understand that the German can't take the same salary as the Greek. We, in Greece, we produce olives, wine, cheese. And Germany has all these big industries, you know, BMW, uh, Volkswagen. Maybe it's better for us to return to our old currency because at least we don't need to answer to other people. Right now, half of our public services are controlled by foreign people. They are not controlled by Greece. And you see that that's where this thing is going. Public services like the telecommunications, the airport, the hydro, everything is being sold to private investors, investors, you know. So, yeah, I don't want to reach that point. I think uh, leaving the euro and returning to drachma will be the best thing in these bad scenarios, all scenarios. Well, the membership in the European Union does put a lot of constraints on uh, fiscal and monetary policy. You do think that being part of the eurozone is a, is a barrier to recovery? Yes, of course it's a barrier because a thing that media don't tell us is that, for example, uh, Germany is complaining about Greece all the time, okay? But nobody is saying Germany is making billions from Greece. They're giving us loans, but at the same time, they sell us submarines. <laughs> I can't give you... You are asking me about solutions and answers, but it's so messed up. For me, Euro shouldn't exist. That's, that's my opinion. Mm -hmm. That's how I see it. Things are going to a place that middle class is eliminated. You can definitely see there are countries benefiting from uh, the different crises. and Of course, yeah. It's really interesting to, to hear your take on it. I guess as, as a final question, yeah. um, would you like to return to Greece at some point? And what kind of reforms or, or changes would you want to see before returning? Yes, I would like to, to return to Greece, uh, but I don't think that will happen soon, and uh, I don't think I don't believe that things will change in Greece. Our system, our political system, is very corrupted. For many years, the same people are in power. You see, Papandreou, there's a Papandreou dynasty. I don't know. I some people in Greece are very 
positive. They say that uh, things will change because uh, people are, have reached this point of total despair and now is the time for change, you know, because you see, you see people on the streets, many people on the streets. Our government not, right now is not elected. Our prime minister is a former uh, banker, okay? <laughs> I don't know. That uh, should uh, trouble people. I think that this game that is being played right now, not only in Greece, but all over the world, the world is very serious. That's all the questions we have for today. The segments for the show were done by Sean Pittman and Raj Palaja. Editing and post-production were done by Mola Shasavari and Mark Burgess. And a special thanks to Joanna, Achilles, and Bill, and our colleagues in the Globalization Program. I'm Adnan Raja. Thanks for listening. Please remember to like us on Facebook at facebook.com slash globalbeatcfmu, and follow us on Twitter at twitter.com slash globalbeat underscore cfmu. See you next Tuesday morning on Global Beat.